Hi, I'm Ben Rizzuto, wealth strategist at Janice Henderson Investors. Is a brighter future possible? At Janice Henderson, we think it is. For 90 years, we've worked to help clients achieve superior financial outcomes and fulfill our purpose of investing in a brighter future together. We know that this means our thinking and our investments are helping to shape millions of futures. At Janice Henderson, we are committed to helping you invest in a brighter future for the next 90 years and beyond. To learn more, go to JaniceHenderson.com. Live from the NASDAQ market site overlooking New York City's Times Square, this is Fast Money. I'm Melissa Lee. Tonight's trader lineup, Tim Seymour, Jeff Mills, Steve Grasso, and Pete Nigerian, co-founder of MarketRebellion.com. Right now in Fast, airline stocks grounded. While the choo-choos and truckers chucking along, we will chart the transports and see where we go from here. Plus, we interrupt Star Wars, Frozen, Bambi. For this commercial break, Disney announcing they will introduce a cheaper version of Disney Plus later this year with commercials. Is this a sign that ads on streaming are hot or that Disney's sub-growth is not. And weed getting whacked. Shares of Tilray can't even get a bump after an upgrade on the street. It's an ugly chart. Can anything light a fire under this joint? Oh, <laughs> I man. know. You had Zones. to. Zones. Okay. You had to. We start off with what might be a major warning signal for the markets. Commodities rallying again today, bringing their gains for the week to more than 13%. The dollar rising in lockstep, hitting its highest level since May 2020. That's traditionally not a good thing for the market. Not surprisingly, stocks pulled back again today. The S&P back in correction territory, down more than 10% from its all-time high. The Dow closing out its fourth straight week of losses. And the Nasdaq shedding more than 1.5%. But is there even more downside from here? Um, some pretty extraordinary moves for the week. If you take a look at the individual commodities, Amazing. the dollar, the D- Dixie was up 2%. This week alone, Tim, what do you make of this? This traditionally doesn't happen, and it's traditionally a very bad thing for the market. Right. Traditionally, folks, when the dollar is rallying, not good for commodities, and it's typically been a, a period where actually you've also then seen emerging markets and other things sell off. But, but obviously, this is not only a flight to quality in favor of the U.S. dollar, but this is a flight to quality in terms of gold. And for those people that have been kicking around gold and saying it hasn't done its job, it has done its job. Look at that chart from 2018 to current and where we are. And I, I actually think we're breaking out. I think the trades may actually be in the other PGMs or precious metals. I think silver, uh, I think platinum and palladium are also places to play. Uh, GDX I mentioned last night, I think the gold miners Gold miners have have not been run this well as companies uh, at a time when also gold, I think, has some room to the upside. So uh, difficult time. Obviously, we spent all week talking about inflation and the Fed and and eroding buying power and the consumption that uh, certainly is improved to the lower middle class, improved wages. Mm -hmm. Um, This is not a good sign. And again, you look at the charts. Yes, some look overbought. Commodities are going higher. You know, but all correlations are off. So we've established that at the top of the show. But when you look Look at it, the 10 years rallying also, right? So that's a safety bet. Right. The dollar, safety. No one's buying the ruble, right? So no one, in theory, is going to be buying the ruble. But if you look at the real safety bet, the defensive names are defense stocks. Lockheed, Raytheon, General Dynamics, NOC, all up 20 to 30% in the last three months. So where does it stop? Do you think that the spending on defense is going to be curtailed the next couple months or ramp higher. It's going to ramp higher. NATO countries are going to be investing largely in defensive names and defensive stocks. Okay, so defense is the way you go. Sure. But in terms of the signs for the broader markets, Jeff Mills, how do you interpret this? Um, some people might say this this has been a precursor to recession, or do you, do you say look, look through it and be like, you know, there are other things moving the dollar right now. There are other things moving the bonds. 
I don't feel like you can look through it just yet. And I keep coming back to the idea that the market's just a little complacent. And I know everybody's talking about bull bear and the amount of bears is finally outweighing the amount of bulls and all these things. But if you kind of look at maybe some of the money where your mouth is indicators, put call ratio. So the amount of put buying relative to call buying, that's not as extreme as we would typically see uh, in a real market panic. And we really haven't had that sort of freak out moment yet. Not necessarily that we need to have one. But there's so much going on out there, it feels to me like the market should be moving more to the downside. And frankly, that trend was already in place. So uh, just for some technical hurdles, you know, until the S&P breaks above 44.50, until the triple Qs break above 350, you know, we're in a clear downtrend. So I don't think things change until we see those levels. And you look at all of the usual suspects, Google, Microsoft, Amazon, all the same stories. And the last thing I'll highlight is just be really careful of rallies without improvements in credit. We saw a rally in the stock market in January and credit spreads continue to widen. So any rally that we see going forward, I would like to see improvement in credit. If we don't see it, I think that's a warning sign. Pete, in terms of um, how the markets have reacted, I mean, volatility, it's only a 31 right now. I mean, mm. it did go up today, which is a little bit unusual to go up on a Friday, but we're only at 31. Yeah. You would think only? we'd be much higher. Only? Only. I mean, <laughs> I only there is a war going on in continental so, Europe, and there was an attack on a nuclear reactor in yeah. War 31. That's my context. Yeah, <laughs> Eyeball girl. That's, that's great context. No, you make a really good point, Mel. But the reality is this. Uh, that's a 2% move. Every single day, S&P, 2% move. Every single yep. day. So I think that's the part that is amazing to me is the fact that we are up at these levels. And you said going into the weekend, you're 100% right, Mel. You know your volatility because going into the weekend, obviously, you start to price in Saturday, Sunday, and what, what's going to happen Monday. Well, if it's at a 31, actually, Mel, that's telling you now that we were actually somewhere towards the, the middle 30s, 33, 34, going into this whole thing as we got closer to the end of the day. But I think the thing that stands out for me, we were talking about commodities. The speed at which we have seen, I keep using the word velocity, I'll say speed this time. The speed at which we see this movement in crude, in copper, in gold, name your commodity, has been absolutely extraordinary. And we all obviously know some of the different uh, spots where Russia does have a very, very big stronghold. It's not in crude, but crude's been on this run, and it wasn't because of Ukraine-Russia. That's been on this run for over a year. It started off when the president got into office. So that's something that I think a lot of people just can continue not to embrace. But when I say gold, gold's been really interesting because the last couple of weeks, when you go back to the middle of February and the move till now, it's been extraordinary and they keep on buying, Mel. So this isn't over in terms of what the option markets are telling us. We had GLD buyers today that bought 75,000 of the upside calls in the GLD at the 235 strike. So that gives you a little bit of a perspective of how high they think potentially things can go in a period of time. Now they're going out to September with those. Most of the the other options that we've seen over the last couple of weeks have been a lot shorter term but we are still seeing commodities 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 to the upside we've got to ride that i think you've got to continue to ride that and roll with it until we see any indications that that's not the path that we should be on copper at an all-time high wheat is up 40 percent tim i mean at some point we are just at a point where companies started saying things were getting a little bit better in terms of supply chain in terms of input costs etc and here we are back to square think one. about what you just said copper all-time high all-time high so is is demand that strong no um is the supply disruption in copper oh, that yes significant? it is no. <laughs> 
Oh, okay. Well, Pete, Pete's building the house. I know Pete's, you know, been welding some pipes lately. No. Um, and no, I, no, no he, he's look. He's right. There is demand in copper, and 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 clearly, you know, remember we call it Doctor Copper because mm-hmm. on some level it's a measure of the economy. But um, this move in copper to me is not the economy going gangbusters. This is this is to me a, a structural imbalance in copper, and I talk about this all the time. Where I don't think you know Freeport and Southern Copper and and uh, some of the other global copper players have actually been reinvesting in their copper mines. And I think there's been a lot of volatility in certain parts of the world where they mine a lot of copper. So, I mean, this is this is part of what the story is. And, and I do get worried about this. Again, all-time highs in copper. So go back, though, to look at steel and iron ore and some of the stocks related to that. Uh, I think diversified miners, I think Rio Tinto, I think BHP. And, and we said this last night, it feels, it feels like 2010 fast money right now. But this is where we are. Commodities are long-cycle asset classes. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we're really just starting. To, how how much do you that. think gold, the movement in gold is when we when we look at the oligarchs in Russia and when you look at trying to get out of dollars or trying to get into dollars and, and the flow of what they're trying to do has been halted. I wonder how much of that is trying to skate around it and buy gold in other different venues as well. But, but think about, you know, Karen Feinerman says this all the time. You know, you, you can get, come up with almost any reason to own gold at certain times. And right. sometimes she scratches her head and she's right. But if you think about what's going on in central banks, and look, I'm, I'm, I'm happy with sanctions on Russia. Uh, there's no politics here. Um, but think about the fact that you've got the U.S., Great Britain, and, the, and Europe saying, we're going to hold on to these assets. We're going to freeze these assets. This sends a message to every other central bank and every mm-hmm. other country in the world, whether they're doing right or wrong. We want to continue to diversify. And gold will continue to be that. I also think this is ultimately dollar negative, although, like Jeff, I think the dollar is going higher here. I think we're going to see Dixie 105. Yeah, back to the commodities, though, Jeff. I mean, regardless of why commodities are up, these are costs that companies and consumers will have to pay for. And so at what point do you start thinking to yourself, you know, earnings maybe not look so good for the next quarter. They have to come down because of the increased costs. How many price increases are companies going to be able to put through to the consumer? Yeah, I think you start to think about it now, honestly, because I've been talking about this for a while. And as we push in the second half of the year, I think we were already primed for a slowdown in the economy and a slowdown in EPS growth. So now I think with everything that's going on, that's actually gotten pulled forward. And I don't know that that's priced in. And you know, really, to your point, I think we're going to move from sort of these inflation fears to a growth scare. And that will be the narrative that takes hold. And that's really why I've been talking about growth stocks. I think the re-rating, when growth becomes scarce, investors look for growth where they can find it. So I think there ends up being an opportunity there. Uh, And ultimately, inflation becomes deflationary. There's going to be demand destruction. And I think that's part of the concern here. Did Jeff Jeff change rooms on us, by the way? What do you mean? Like mid sentence? I'm always somewhere else. Different backstop (laughs) for the general. (laughs) I'm all over. I'm all over. Maybe he's a hologram. Um, Let's turn now to a tale of two transports. The airline-focused Jets ETF hit hard this week, down more than 13%. Its worst week since April 2020. But check out railroad and trucking names. CSX, Norfolk Southern, CH Robinson, today's top performers in the S&P. And the Dow Transport's actually up this week. So what gives? Where are we headed? Carter Worth and Worth Charting may have some answers. Um, Truly bifurcated trade here, Carter. Very. And here's the most remarkable thing about the bifurcation. It's business as usual. We're going to see it in the chart. It's been going on forever. So look at the first chart. It's a comparative chart. It's three lines. It's very straightforward. The first is, of course, the road and rail index, which is up 
4.9%. This is a three-month chart versus the Dow Jones Transportation Average, of which those stocks are constituents, down 3.6, and the S&P down 4.6. Okay, now let's pull it back a little further. Next chart. This is a five-year comparative chart, and here's where it gets interesting. The winner on top, right, is the road and rail index, up some 145% versus the S&P over a five-year period, up 80, and the transports, the oldest index of all, up 60. Now look at this same chart, but put in jets, the ETF, down there on the bottom, bringing up the rear, down 35%, yes, over the past five years. So road and rail have been leading the S&P, which in turn has been leading the transports. And you could actually take this comparative chart back 10 years. Uh, you could take it back further. Um, road and rail, winning of late, but they've been winning forever. And take a look at the chart itself. You see it here. It's just a setup for a breakout. And then by contradistinction, look at the chart of Jets. Final chart, it's breaking down. And the interesting thing is Jets doesn't have a lot of history. QDTF, great symbol, Jets. But if you look at the New York Stock Exchange Airline Index that does go back to the late 80s, basically it's the same level as it was then, 33 years later. It's a bad business, airlines. And, wow. Uh, <laughs> bad. It's amazing. Well, it's, it's a bad business when oil is spiking, right, Carter? I mean, how much... No, but I, if, okay, hold on, hold on. If you haven't made any progress in 33 years, it doesn't matter what the current story is. It's a bad business. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. I think that's hard to argue. Well, it's Carter. almost like the football team. Um, but Carter, too. before you go, before we, we know you have to get prepped for OA. Um, your oil call, which you made last week, you said oil is going to run oh, out of gosh. energy, so to speak. <laughs> it's the exact it doesn't opposite. look like yes. it. But so, what no do you good. say? Right. So that was a follow-up. I, you know, with a little luck, we get the buy at 65, sell at 95. Now we're uh, not. You know, it's wrong. It it's, could go anywhere it wants. Oh, okay, Carter. Thank you. We'll see yep. you later. Carter Braxton worth of worth charting. Pete Najarian, you stick with the uh, road and rail stocks, dump airlines. Yeah, I do. And what I like, Mel, is that we had a lot of option paper today in CSX. Now, granted, the stock, the stock has made this move this month. And when I say this month, I mean March, just a couple of days, where we've gone from 33 to 37 in a hurry. So we're back up to where we were at the start of January. But that's near the all-time highs as we've looked back at, at CSX. So it's interesting to see today that we had three different hits on the options world where they were buying upside calls in this, in, in this specific name. They weren't buying it in the other names. They were just going after CSX, and they bought very large chunks of the May 40s, and they went out for the March 40s, and they bought the, the April 37 and a half calls. They were buying aggressively in all of them. They bought 18,000 of those May 40s. And by the way, in the final six minutes of the day is when they actually executed 18,000 of those June 40 calls. So a lot of activity out there. They say it's going higher. I'm going to ride it because so far the derivatives markets have been dead on on many of these types of plays, Mel. I think that the point that Tim was getting at is an important distinction. I mean, Carter saying that the line has gone nowhere, basically. The chart has gone nowhere for 30-something years. I mean, that is a, it's hard to Ouch. argue. But that doesn't mean it's not, they're not trading vehicles, Jeff. And you can't make money on the swings on a Jets or an XAL in between. Sure, you could. And we've seen them bounce. And, and they could bounce now. But I've said this before, too. I think that there's been a fundamental change in some of these businesses 
I think about banks after 2008, they were multi-year laggards because of what they went through. And I think you're getting more of the same. If I was, if I wanted a reopening play, I'd probably rather look to an MGM or, or a Live Nation. But just very quickly on the rails, um, I did put together a chart just because I was curious. I charted the relative performance of Union Pacific against the S&P 500, and I put that against manufacturing PMI, just a gauge of the economy. And the one note of caution is, you know, we're talking about this possible economic slowdown. PMIs have already started to roll over a little bit. So do the rails follow economic growth down relative to the S&P 500? That has been the history over the past 10 years. All right. Up next, a not-so-steady stream on tap for Disney+. Plus. The company set to introduce a cheaper version with commercials. Will subscribers go for it, or shall we say, let it go? And later, on Onoe, getting defensive. The traders have one way to ensure your portfolio is protected from all the market volatility. Fast Money's back in two. This episode is brought to you by AARP. Ten years from today, Lisa Schneider will trade in her office job to become the leader of a pack of dogs. As the owner of her own dog rescue, that is. A second act made possible by the reskilling courses Lisa's taking now with AARP to help make sure her income lives as long as she does. And she can finally run with the big dogs. And the small dogs, who just think they're big dogs. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Learn more at aarp.org skills. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. Welcome back to Fast Money. Shares at Disney sliding almost 3.5% today. This after the company announced plans to offer a lower-priced version of Disney Plus that will have commercials. Disney not the only streamer to fall today. Check out shares of Netflix and Paramount. Um, Jeff, you bought Disney back in, what, November? And you say you still like it here. Yeah, we bought it in November 2020, and it was right around 140, but it was trading at 50 times. So I think now you're trading under 30 times at 140. So uh, we're holding it. We're not making any changes. I don't know that this announcement was necessarily the major catalyst of the move today. You know, I think back to Netflix earnings, and the big question was, you know, is the streaming growth story over now? And I think after Disney reported, their subscriber growth continues to be pretty good. So I think the answer there is no. Netflix certainly isn't acting like it with the investments that they're making in new content. So I think Disney with the streaming growth and with now leverage from parks and theaters, given the reopening, you know, I think this is as reasonable an entry point as any. Uh, Rich Greenfield over at Lightshed um, said today that he thought maybe this was a move for Disney to kind of goose growth, if you will, of subscribers because it saw that it wasn't going to meet its subscriber forecast. Pete, maybe that's why the stock is down in part. There's some skepticism about whether or not it would have organically hit that target without going with commercials. Right. I'd absolutely agree with Rich on that, Mel. And I think the one thing that, that was just brought up was the fact that talking about the P.E. and the valuation levels, I, it's still high. All we've got to do is go back to 2019 and then anything before that. And this is a company that's always been somewhere in the teens, whether it's the low teens, the mid teens, maybe the high teens as far as the P.E., 
but it was up to 50 and then it actually corrected and here we are call it 30 35 something like that it's still extremely high i do own the stock i'm selling calls against it i'm collecting against it but uh i i still wonder is it it's going to take some time for all the reopen to really start to kick in to add to this whole streaming that we know the streaming's great but that growth is slowing and they're having to do something about it and i think this is proof of it but, you, you know, they are getting a blended multiple or they're trying to get a blended multiple. I think this is actually good news for it, because the first thing that happens when you get an ad uh, content on a, or on a streaming service is that you go out and you buy the actual one without ads. It gives you a comparison. I think in a nutty way, this is actually going to be bullish for it. That sounds nutty. I'm not even sure. <laughs> I thought it through like eight times and I came out. Well, I'm long the stock, so. Okay. So you had to think of something. Yes. All right. Coming up next, up in smoke, shares of Tilray down more than 75% in the past year. But has the bottom been put into this stock? Will light up this trade right Ooh. after this? Wow. Welcome back to Fast Money. Canaccord boosting its rating on Tilray to a buy after the cannabis company announced plans to partner with rival Hexo. Analysts saying the selling pressure on the stock is overdone. Tilray was down today, falling more than 75 percent in the last year. During this one, the note made it sound like it's a really great deal for Hexo, let alone Tilray. Yeah, it's a core position of my ETF. So, uh, look, this is about not apologizing for Canada. Tilray is consolidating Canada, which there's an argument that it's it's larger than the biggest state, which is California, or it's getting there, or it's somewhere around there. But being the biggest in a large market, and in cannabis, a lot of investors actually reward the companies that are narrow and deep in one market. So um, Tilray actually has a huge European business. and, And what they're not doing in the U.S. is then they're not trying to put together one of those derivative kind of option-based deals on federal legislation. Mm. I think there's a view there that that doesn't happen overnight. Meanwhile, they have bought brands in the U.S. Erwin Simon, who we know, he's a friend of the show and who's built brands, wants to build the biggest consumer brand in cannabis. And, and again, I don't think you have to apologize for picking up a company for $200 million of debt without having to expand your balance sheet. And, and you know, I think there's intrinsic value there. The, the whole move uh, on, on the uh, cannabis space was to Tim's point, it was about federal regulation or federal re- regulation uh, coming off of, off of the whole space. So everything ran up, everything's in the toilet bowl, no, no matter what stock, indiscriminately, it's been sold. So I, I don't know if we're truly waiting on federal regulation to lighten up at this point, but it, I was having a conversation with you before the show. Crypto, NFTs are going to enter the cannabis space, believe it or not. You want to talk about nutty. That, that's even nuttier than the Disney uh, premise there. But I think you're going to see the year of cannabis now coming. That's bizarre. In the, what are you going to well, get high? Gonna have, you're going to have utility you know, tokens. How does that work? You can't have a bank that? account. I think Steve's point well, is if the... you, you, you ain't seen any volatility yet, the minute you get that. Right. And cannabis yeah. is in the middle of earnings season. Uh, it, it's not the sequential growth story to the moon. It's a it's a sophisticated CPG story. You've heard me say this, and I don't think you should be investing waiting for federal. That's not why you should be investing in cannabis. But in terms of the profits for this group, I mean, Pete, it's, all, it's for a lot of the companies, the medical side is much more profitable. There's not much as much of a land grab and yeah. price competition on that side of things. Yeah, there's no doubt about that, Mel. And I think, you know, the problem for me still com- for, for Tilray itself is, you know, the balance sheet's a little bit upside down. And when I look at it, you know, I just keep waiting and they've, they've made a little bit of money here and there and they've had some cash flow. But, you know, that's been the problem that I've had an issue with for a while now with Tilray. Right. All right. Time for the final trade, Tim. 
Uh, yeah. Let's see. <laughs> Let me it. look at my paper. Where I it says it. final trade. trade. Newcore. We were talking about yes. steel companies. Really, just see it in my paper. Newcore. Steel companies, Ooh. if you look at iron ore and coking coal prices, steel prices are going higher. Newcore. Sorry. You literally that. just said that like three minutes ago. Pete. Prevagen. <laughs> I'm going to give you an ETF, EFA. They're buying a lot of puts out there, Mel. Something's going on. I think it's going lower. We've all been there, really. Uh, Jeff Mills. <laughs> CRM. I think you want to start to nibble at some of these quality growth names. Salesforce is definitely one of them. Steve. you got to go to liquidity in this time. Uh, Apple. Go with the old standby. All right. That does it for Fast on this Friday, but do not go anywhere. Options Action is up next. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts.